Hi, friends, and welcome to 24 Karat Conversations. I'm your host, Rhonda Velez. Let's be real. Testing and trials are never fun. But what I have found is that we aren't alone in those seasons. My favorite Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We're going to share some amazing stories of people who have endured and emerged as pure gold in the midst of hard circumstances. We're going to laugh, probably cry, and get super transparent about life and the struggles we endure. So sit back, relax. It's about to get real. Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. I am back. It has been a while. I took a little bit of a hiatus and I am back with doing this podcast and I'm super excited because my first, my very first guest is Kathy Lorzell and she is amazing first off. Um, So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then I'm going to introduce her. Kathy received her MA in counseling in 2007. She's the co-founder of the Allender Center in Seattle, the School of Theology and Psychology, and co-author of Redeeming Heartache, How Past Suffering Reveals Your True Calling. She has spent the last 15 years developing the theory and methodology of a popular new coaching and therapeutic approach called story work, which by the way, love, 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 and I'm addicted to now that moves people through their past stories of heartache to heal and discover healthier ways of being in the world. She is, um, I consider her a friend. I think she's amazing. I met her through Carrie Scott Garcia and uh, welcome. Welcome, Kathy. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we kind of chatted a little bit about transitions. Um, Can you kind of like tell me, well, first, let me just say this. I read this book called, uh, it's actually called The Blueprint by Craig Cooney. He also has another book called Tension and the Transition. And he talks about six stages that we go through life when we're doing anything with transition. And he says it's disruption, separation, disorientation, discovery, and emergence. And so I just kind of want to get your opinion on that. Like, tell me a little bit what you think about those. Is that pretty much how it goes? <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant. I uh, Transitions are so difficult. I am terrible at them. Mm. And so I'm really grateful that someone else has wisdom and <laughs> can write books about it because I'll never write a book about it except how not to do it. <laughs> I'm not sure that he has wisdom around it either. I think he wrote it out of fear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> every time I would read a chapter, I'd be like, oh gosh, he's just like me. He totally doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, um, maybe you can just share a little bit about like a transitional season that you had gone yeah. through. Um, and then we can just kind of go from there as far as chatting on. Sure. Uh, like. Yeah. I mean, really for me, the last three years have really been one big transition. I co-founded the Allender Center with Dan um, in 2011. And really before that, we started working together. And um, three years ago, I started to transition out of my role as executive vice president of the Allender Center and wrote the book with Dan and then went on to on tour. And I actually end my time with the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology December 31st of this year after 18 years. So this is actually a really good topic for you. <laughs> this is a very good topic for me. Yeah. I, so gosh, it's, and it's intense. Yeah. yeah. It's an intense season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that when you're going through those transitional seasons, um, 
I think people automatically put transition seasons in a place of like, oh, well, when you move, like I moved across the country last year and they're like, well, I'm not doing any transition, but I do think that we can be in the middle of transition season, even when we're not, you know, we're stationary and not doing a whole lot. Um, I think where it becomes, it does become harder is when you're transitioning through tougher seasons. So when you're transitioning through loss or, you know, changing jobs or like you, what you're doing, how do you do that without completely losing your mind and knowing that you're normal? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like I have felt like I'm insane right now. (laughs) Yeah. So the biggest thing, well, let me um, approach this in two ways. One is that I think one thing that we underestimate is that really life is just one big transition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. hardly ever a time where it's just normal day to day. Like I found that even with having kids, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and every single season is a transition. You're transitioning from, you know, the the summer season, which is completely different than going back into fall and and getting them back into school and that new rhythm. So I think our bodies, we think in our fantasy world that there's something called stability Mm -hmm. and it's just not true. And, And so what I found is that a lot of my anxiety, a lot of where I've struggled is because I'm trying to hold on to this idea that somehow if I just work harder or am more settled, then I'm going to be able to have a more stable, um, less turbulent life. And I just don't think that's true. I think the stability and the centeredness and the stable part of us comes from our inside, Mm -hmm. not from our outside. Yeah, And so I've stopped trying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of that does tie back to like story work. Cause I know that as I've done more and more story work with Carrie, Like I'm realizing, like I've been in transition since childhood Mm -hmm. and it, and the way I've dealt with things have been a lot of my story. Like who I was as a child has carried me over into adulthood where I haven't done certain things well because of some of the traumas that I've kind of um, endured during that time. And they weren't even like big traumas, (laughs) like some of them were just little traumas, but I noticed that like I'm triggered, um, I'll give you an instance. Like I, uh, in 2002, right after my daughter had passed away, I actually was laid off my job. Um, yeah, I know it, like it couldn't been better timing, right? Like I was, my boss thought I needed more time to grieve because that was, I guess his opinion (laughs) of me. I was like, I just want to work. Um, and so I found my severance package letter on the photocopy machine when I came into work one day. And I remember just like feeling so like, what are we going to do? Huge transition. My daughter just passed away. Then I get this, this, you know, thing I'm don't have a job now. And so what I found was as I got older, I would go to jobs and I would immediately, like, if I had done something wrong or didn't do a project, right. And I was being, you know, not criticized, but um, constructive criticism. I would immediately go to, I'm going to get fired. I want to get fired. And it was like this trigger response. And it has literally taken me, that was like over 20 years ago. And it's literally taken me almost 20 years to process that and to not feel that way when I'm at my place of of business. Absolutely. I think all of our reactions are in storied. Mm -hmm. And, and so there's it, whenever we hit turbulent waters, how we handle it will be directly connected to how well 
our stories of past trauma have been healed and tended to and cared for. And so we reenact our responses to our original trauma over and over and over again until we have a, a more healed sense um, in our bodies and, and we feel more settled and safe. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think it's, it's important when we look at transitions, again, transitions are inevitable Sh shifting of seasons of timeframes. You know, there's nothing that is, that is going to stay steady. We don't stay steady. We change all the time. And so we can't, um, find stability through the idea that our external world is going to be stable we have to be able to feel safe and secure and connected um, inside yeah. our bodies. And the only way that we can do that is if we are able to go back and actually look at the places that taught us the world is not safe mm -hmm. and allow those places to be spoken to, to be connected to, to be cared for, and for the younger places in our brains to actually receive the healing. And when we do that, we will then be able to handle, not it perfectly, but yeah. we'll be able to handle and know how to soothe our own souls, to get soothing from other people, to care for our bodies. We'll know how to do that in the present if we are able to go back and tend to those places in the past. Yeah. And I think that there's such a misconception around, well, I didn't really have any major childhood trauma. And so like transition should be easy for me because I didn't, like yeah. there's really nothing. And I think when you really understand that, uh, you know, something that happened on the playground when you were in third grade can impact the way you deal with any transition in your life. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's when you kind of like the light bulb, I think went on for me when I realized, well, you know, cause I had good parents and they were, you know, pretty stable as far as, you know, for the most part. And I didn't think that that transitions would be as hard as they were. Um, and I know that for some people, when they're in the middle of transition, their body just goes into anxiety or depression. And I mean, if I'm being honest, like when we first moved here, um, my husband was really struggling. Like he was like, I don't, I don't necessarily regret moving here, but I feel just all this anxiety and I don't know where it's coming from. And so like, what would you say like to somebody who is like, wait, I'm feeling all these things. How do I process it in the right manner so that I'm not, you know, overeating, over drinking, over like overindulging in things that we shouldn't be when we're in the middle of transitions? Because I feel like with major transitions, you know, that's when people like with when children pass away, a lot of people end up divorced and it's because they're in this transition. Neither one of them know how to mm -hmm. communicate. And then they're like, well, I don't even like you, you know? <laughs> So like, how do you do it yeah. in a healthy way? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are three things that happen when we um, experience trauma and, and let me just define trauma because trauma is all over the place. And mm -hmm. in some ways it's now overused where it was underused before. And now everyone's confused, like, but really my definition of trauma is anything that happens to us that overwhelms our capacity to metabolize it within our natural resources. So it's it's really just anything that kind of tips the cup over. You, you have a natural level that you can handle, you know, in a pretty healthy way. But as soon as that tips over, you know, the 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 point, the water spills out. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, you're in a dysregulated state. 
And, and our bodies go into dysregulated states because they're overwhelmed. They, they can't handle and metabolize what's going on around us. And, and so there are three things that, that, that we go to when that happens. One is fragmentation. Mm -hmm. Fragmentation is where our brains literally take the puzzle pieces that, that show us the whole picture of what's going on. They break them up and they disperse them all over our brains and our bodies so that because we can't actually handle the reality of everything that's going on around us without really losing our minds, mm. right? So that's one thing to, to be aware of. We fragment. It's a natural defense mechanism. It keeps us safe. It keeps us going. It helps us survive. But it, ultimately, it's very damaging because you cannot heal. You cannot metabolize and work through what's going on around you if you're not connected to the whole story, mm. right? So those parts will lodge and create a lot of damage in different parts of your body. So that's one piece. The second thing that we do when we're overwhelmed through transition or anything else that's going on around us is we dissociate. Uh, it's too much. We, we need to numb. We need to turn our brains off. We need to get distracted because basically we don't, we don't want to experience the feelings that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have a tolerance for those feelings. And so we need to find a way out. It is, again, completely natural. We all do it. We need to do it because there are times where it is too much and you need a release valve that will get you out. So, But a lot of times what happens is we don't have the resources to then slow it down and go back into those places. So we overuse dissociation because we don't have the internal capacity or the relationships or the care structures that are needed mm -hmm. to really be able to bring those things back. And so that's when you find yourself over drinking more, mm -hmm. scrolling through, you know, social media on Netflix, you know, like all those things. And again, those things aren't in themselves bad. It's when the feelings that we're experiencing are, are so intolerable, but we also don't know how to go back into them and care for them in a way that actually can bring some, some soothing. And the third thing we do is isolate. So isolation is basically, you know, I, the world's not safe. I can't handle even the connection of relationship because it's asking me to deal with things I don't want to deal with. So I'm just going to remove myself either physically or emotionally and just take all of my needs, all of what's going on in my head and dive it down, deep mm -hmm. down inside of me somewhere and just remove myself. And that's also a, a very natural protective mechanism, but it's very damaging because it keeps you out of relationship, which is the thing that can actually help connect you to your body, get the care and, and the help that you need in order to kind of move through transitions and difficult seasons. Well, and I think we saw a lot of that in 2020 where, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, you're speaking of it and all I can think of is like in 2020, I think everyone experienced all three of those, yep. um, even coming back into work, you know, people that are now going back into the office, like they're having trouble communicating with people mm -hmm. because they haven't had to do it for such a long time, or they've had to do it on video, which you can kind of mask some things there, you know, body language and that sort of thing when you're not in person with somebody. So like, how do you start to care for your body when you realize that you're doing this? I, I think the best part about story work and what you just said is that for me, I learned how to recognize, oh, I'm being triggered right now. Okay. Wait, I need to stop for a second. So like what, mm -hmm. What, I mean, you know, obviously we can't go into all the stuff you do in story work, which is so great, but like, what are a few 
quick tips, like if people are starting to feel disassociated or realizing like I'm being triggered, you know, in this transition, how do I, how do I bring myself back to, to feeling normal? Mm -hmm. So there's, um, I forget who talks about this, but the idea of a pause. And so what, what we're wanting to cultivate is just even a sense of, um, what trauma does is brings our brain when we're dysregulated, it kind of brings us into survival mode where we're not thinking well. Mm -hmm. And, and so what we want to do is take a step back, take a pause, take a breath, and then be curious instead of judgmental or reactive to what's going on around us. Mm -hmm. And so it really is slowing down and, and saying, okay, I'm feeling really big feelings right now. I mean, it sounds so pedantic, but it's so true. I'm feeling things. I feel overwhelmed. So even if you're like, I need a drink. Okay. So take a pause Mm -hmm. and even just for a minute, ask yourself, why, what are you feeling that feels so intolerable to you right now? And do you understand why that feeling is such a difficult feeling for you? Take one minute before you grab the whiskey and, you know, and ask yourself that question and breathe. Mm. And when you breathe, you regulate your body and you actually slow your nervous system down and you bring yourself out of a reactive response to an active kind of present response. And and if in that you're still feeling that anxiety and you're like, I understand that this really hard thing happened at work and I feel really sad. Um, I feel rejected. I feel really anxious. Okay. Now I understand what it is and I still am going to have that drink. Fine. Like I'm not here to be, you know, working with you on your alcoholism, but (laughs) we're not in (laughs) it. We're not in it. But, you know, can you just be aware Mm -hmm. of what's going on for you and start to help your body make those links? Because that will help you slow it down a little bit. You know, and and even just the idea of having fragmentation, dissociation, and isolation in your mind, you can say, "Huh, I, uh, you know, I don't know if you you do this or not. I say yes to events or um, uh, social engagements, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like a couple hours before, and I'm like, please, Jesus, let Let me have the flu. (laughs) Totally, (laughs) something like give me some reason to back out of this. Like, I can't do it. I don't want to go. I'm so nervous, you know, and then all of a sudden you put on clothes and nothing feels right. And you're just like, I can't, I can't do it. Right. Can you just understand like, oh, my body is feeling activated and nervous and I want to isolate. So can I breathe? Can I, you know, like just walk around the block for a second? Can I do something that's kind of kind and caring that will kind of bring my body back down, settle me? And then, and then make a choice to kind of move myself back out into something that will be good for me ultimately. Yeah. Right. And I think we're so used to pushing through, like, we're just, okay, I'm just going to push through. But then when you like in that instance, like you go to an event, you really don't want to be there. You've pushed through, you haven't taken that moment to like regulate yourself. So you go, and then you're just like grumpy and you're just not having a good time. And it's right. is it really worth it, right? Like, or is it worth being at that party if you absolutely hate it? So I think that that's yep. such good advice. I think it's John Eldridge that does the one minute pause. And he, oh, yes. I did read his book 
which is amazing. And he actually has a pause app. And that is something that I started to put into practice when I would go in between meetings. Like if I had back-to-back Zoom meetings, I started doing the one-minute pause in between them so that I could like get kind of my brain all, my brain just felt so jumbled, you know, jumping from one thing to another. And so that caused me to really pause. And it it does help. Like it mm-hmm. sounds so simple, right? Like, and everyone's like, one, I don't have time. One minute. It's not going to kill you. Yep. It really isn't going to kill you. Um, I like what you also said about when you are, when you figure out how you're feeling, it, it gives you a chance to not like be reactive or judgmental. Cause I think a lot of times too, I know that in the middle of, especially if you're doing like going through transitions with your spouse or, you know, if it's something like a loss, it's so hard because you're both have all these, these huge emotions. And so by stopping and thinking like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. It gives me also a chance to like, see how my spouse or my children is feeling. I wish I would have learned this when I had little kids and I know nobody does it perfect. We're all a work in progress. <laughs> and I that's one thing I love about you because you are so honest about like the fact that this is not easy stuff. Like, and it's not a one and done. Like, do you still get mad at your kids? Yes, of course you do. <laughs> like you're human. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yesterday. <laughs> like two seconds before this podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think one story you shared not too long ago, I don't even remember if it was on a podcast or what it was, but you shared about doing this whole like trauma coaching thing that you did and you came home and you were so mad. You hadn't even taken off your heels and you were cleaning the toilet. And I'm all, that right there is a woman after my own heart because that would be something I would come home and do. Like, I'm like, the toilet's better be clean. (laughs) But you gotta stop for a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so much of the freedom that, that we're really longing for, right. Doesn't necessarily come from, um, you know, being fully healed. It Mm -hmm. comes from our own capacity to understand our internal world and have kindness and compassion for it so that Mm -hmm. we can have a chance to maybe offer different reactions. Yeah. And not perfect reactions, right? Like I, I, so right now we're in, um, you know, this Christmas season and Lord have mercy on all of our souls right. because I just, I, I love it. I decorate the heck out of my house and do all the things and love like cooking and mm-hmm. cookies and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I, I'm so irritated with yeah. my kids and, and like just there, I, Girl, I and I have to give you target. gifts. I'm not giving yeah, you. Yeah, no. I'll, well, and and so like my son, I took Aiden to Target yesterday. He wanted to go buy, um, you know, I, I let them buy a yearly ornament for the tree and that we put their name on it and the year and everything. It's really sweet. I love it. I love this tradition. It's like precious. He's like, can we go to Target and go and get this ornament? I'm like, yes, buddy, this is going to be great. We go and all of a sudden he decides he wants candy and I say no. And he loses his mind <laughs> in the middle of target we're in the checkout line yeah and first of all i'm like target take the candy out of the checkout lines yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you kidding me right now like <laughs> so he is literally and he's my kid who will lose his top pretty quickly and so i'm with him people are waiting in line like it's a busy day at the holidays <laughs> at target it's we're not alone <laughs> 
Like there are a lot of people. You're like everyone and, is watching me. Am I going totally. to Totally. And they're like, will you please just move your kid, you know, and, and get, and let other people check out. So we are like literally blocking the entry or the, the exit with the cart. And my child is laying underneath the cart screaming. <laughs> and, and I, I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. So I just sit down with him and I was like, buddy, I told you, you can't have candy. I will buy you something that's healthy for you, but that's it. Well, how about potato chips? No, chips are not healthy, but you, you know, and so we're going through, he is losing. So finally, like, you know, and everyone is staring at you. Like, I think these are moments where to be able to like take in a deep breath and understand like we all lose our minds and, and what my son is doing underneath this cart you know, being fully enraged and like, you know, yelling at me and trying to kick me is what we feel inside. Exactly. We're just not kids. <laughs> We're just not kids. We have a fully, you know, developed frontal lobe and we've learned that that's not appropriate and we're deeply committed to not having shame. Right. So yes, yes that's a whole other topic. <laughs> it's a whole other topic. Right. But I think there's something about looking at him and being like, oh, we feel that. Yeah. And so what does it mean for us to actually understand we have those big, really difficult feelings underneath us in the middle of these transitions and the middle of these moments where we're disappointed or sad. And it's really hard to land and actually acknowledge like, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm upset. I wanted something that I didn't get and, or I feel really entitled right now and I need to actually deal with my entitlement. Right. Um, but, but to actually land into those emotions is so difficult because we've been taught for so many years to ignore them, right? to just keep going, to push through. And I think what happens with transitions is that because we don't have our normal coping mechanisms available to us, we get triggered more easily and we're less able to, to kind of keep those emotions down And they're just, they're more activated. They're, they're more available to us. And so we have to then be more aware and more willing to slow down. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because people have a hard time putting language around what exactly they feel. I know that like when I went through story coaching training, they gave us an emotions chart and Mm -hmm. it sounds so weird, but I literally have it at my desk because, um, it's a reminder to me of like to actually name it. And I think people have such a hard time with it. Like they want to use like very, like I'm fine or, you know, I'm really, it's okay. And it's really not okay. Like it's okay to say it's not okay. And I, I saw this thing, um, this post on Instagram and it was, somebody said, it's kind of interesting that as children, when we're in kindergarten, remember the little emotions chart they had where like, you're sad, you're happy. And they like, they had little yeah. happy, sad faces. We're like, why do we not have that when we're adults? Because there's so much that comes on our plate, you know, in kindergarten, you know, we'll just throw a temper tantrum, but we can't do that. Like you said in Target, darn it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Although it just happened to me yesterday in front of all the holiday shoppers. Well, you know, we all have one of those stories. I actually at Disneyland um, had a mental breakdown one time (laughs) with my daughter and it's like not my finest moment. And it's one of the moments I'm sure that they'll be in trauma therapy for, but she wanted a churro so bad. And she just kept just in my ear. Like, I want a churro, I want a churro, I want a churro. And I was like, oh. so I finally turned to my husband, all, get her a dang churro and shove it down her throat. And I didn't realize I said it really loud. And like, 
all these people in line turn around and look at us. And I just was like, oh my, oh, no. this is before I did story work. Okay. So I'm better, <laughs> but man, I lost it. And it's just, oh man, if I had had some tools, I would have been able to like, be like, okay, Rhonda, just take a breath before you respond to her. <laughs> oh yeah. Driving me nuts. Oh, it's so, it's so hard. Well, and I, again, I think, I think part of it is is your capacity to understand your own emotions and how you're triggered mm-hmm. and then also you know there with Aiden I I I kind of handled it okay um but also at one point I turned and I'm like get up <laughs> we are leaving and I'm like pushing him out with the cart like trying to like 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 a like a sheepdog you know yeah. like hurting him with this cart <laughs> And people are like looking at me and I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, someone's going to call CPS. It's not going to be okay. <laughs> you know, and, totally. Like, right. And so then we get in the car after we kind of work it out and I'm like, all right, Betty, that was a hard moment. Are you okay? I was pretty upset. And here's the deal. Like, you can't do that. You've mm-hmm. got, you know, if you, I'm not going to take you to target if you're going to act that way, you have mm-hmm. to be able to handle no. So let's talk about some strategies. So I'm like, all right, I can recover this. Right. But that's right. part of the growth too, for yeah. ourselves and for others is to know you're going to lose it. Yeah. So then what's your strategy for when you do, and do you have ways to take care of yourself, to take care of your kids, to kind of come back after you've recovered you know, if we know we're going to, especially in these high stress seasons yeah. and mm-hmm. situations, we're just, we're not perfect and we're going to make mistakes. And, and when we have it, I mean, there's no amount of story work you could do yeah. to, to not make mistakes. Right. And I think that's what, I mean, and I'm a pastor's kid. So growing up, you know, it's almost like, you were going to come to perfection at some point. And I think realizing that, that that's never going to happen until, you know, the Lord takes me home mm-hmm. um, is so freeing because I think we want it to look a certain way and we want to be a certain way. And that's just not, that's just not the way it's going to be. And mm-hmm. I think once we can kind of embrace that transitions are hard and if we can have language around it and have open conversations about it without completely losing it every time, you know, it makes everything better. I mean, I will tell you that like my relationship with my children is better because I've learned the language around this. My relationship with my husband is better and, you know, men, it's hard. They just have a different way of coping. And so, um, even for him, you know, he's done a little bit of story work and I crack up cause he's like, I don't, I just never cry. And now like I have these emotions and I'm like, it's because you've opened up this part that you can't just shut off anymore. And it's, it is really beautiful when you're able to transition and sit down and have hard conversations about like, how are you really feeling? Like what emotion is coming up for you? Um, it's such a great way to set an example for, you know, the next generation. Absolutely. And I wish I would have done it earlier. <laughs> Well, I just kind of wanted to close up with a couple of fun, quick questions for you. So, well, one of them. So what is your favorite drink at Starbucks? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I drink um, a tall, triple, one pump, sugar-free, vanilla, non-fat milk latte. Oh, you're that girl. Uh-huh. You're you're my friend that I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Text me your order because I'm gonna never get it right. No, this is why I have a Starbucks app, so I never have to say it out loud because also <laughs> I have shame. Yes. 
but it, I've perfected it. I know exactly what I like. <laughs> oh my gosh. I always love asking people that because I feel like I'm so plain. I like a black Pike's Peak. Is that what it's called? Pike's Peak? I think Pike's Place. Pike, no, Pike Place. Yeah. Because you're from Seattle, so you should know that. I am. Yeah. Um, and with one Splenda. That's my big, that's my big drink. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hard coffee drinker there. Okay. The biggest misconception about you. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, oh man, my head's swirling. Okay. So, the, um, I think the, a misconception is that, um, I'm like the, the boss lady and, and like kind of harsh, um, which, you know, okay. give me a high five, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> Ooh, high five. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I can be, um, but I'm, I'm actually really tender yeah, and compassionate, but I have an edge. And, and so the edge sometimes overwhelms yeah. people's capacity to see my tenderness. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that so much. Oh my gosh. I get called. Yeah. I, yeah. I, people are always like, you're so bossy. I'm like, not yeah. bossy. I just have things to do. <laughs> okay. And last but not least, what is one piece, if you could only give somebody one piece of advice about going through a transitional season in life, what would it be? Um, embrace grief. Mm, like that. Mm. Yeah. We're not good all transition that. is really a, the grief of endings mm. and the idea of what wasn't, what was, what's ending and endings, um, are very, very hard for us, mm. but we can move through them if we actually learn how to grieve and embrace grief and let it move through our bodies, our bodies know how to do transitions. We're built for them. Yeah. I like that because I think grief is something that people just have always put a label on it. Like it has to be about somebody dying and it's just, just mm -hmm. not, that's not true. <laughs> and transition and grief mm -hmm. just kind of go hand in hand because you've got to grieve whatever is your leave, whatever season you're leaving. So thank you so much Absolutely. for being on today. You are like, just you're my new best friend. So hey, it's <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, I want to know. It's a pleasure. I want to know how they can find you on social media, where they can get your book. Um, tell us all about that. Yeah, so the book is on Amazon or anywhere that books are sold. Um, it's Redeeming Heartache by Dan Allender and Kathy Lorzell. Mm -hmm. You can find That's me awesome. at <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and then I also have a website, kathylorzell.com. And um, as I'm transitioning out of the Allender Center, I have my own private practice and coaching and speaking engagements. So, you know, you can look around on that and figure out how to find me. Yeah, I think your coaching, I was looking at your website the other day and I'm like, oh, she's got a great coaching program. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so make sure to go follow Kathy and thank you so much for being on today. And you guys, until next time, sparkle on. Bye.